We've invited four entrepreneurs today, and I will introduce them as we go along. Um, three of them are entrepreneurs who have been part of the One Million by One Million program, and one of them is a One Million by One Million case study. So, um, so I will introduce uh, first, actually, Vikrant Mathur is going to speak with you, and then we have Heidi Janenga, then we have Avik Pal, and then finally Abhishek Rungta. So these are the four entrepreneurs you're going to be hearing from. They're in different parts of the world. So we are going to start with Vikrant, and you will see as soon as Vikrant comes on the camera that he is dialing in from his car. So this is the extent of scalability and flexibility we have here. You can dial in from your car. You can dial in from your flight. You can dial in for you from your home in pajamas, whatever you want. So that is really the great fun in the program. Vikram, over to you. Take it away. Thank you, Samna. Good morning, everybody. It's so exciting to be here for this roundtable. Um, you know, before we get started, uh, I, I, I just kind of quickly share a, a little bit of my experience with, with 1M by 1M. I was talking to my wife yesterday, and I was telling her that I remember joining the program about 10 years ago, and and I distinctly remember what drew me to the program. It, it was, Shramana, your focus and your support for bootstrapping, um, especially here in the Valley. And I had just moved here, and I was... I was talking to all these people, and the focus was so much on, on raising money and, and chasing venture capital that when I came across the 1M by 1M program, it was just so refreshing to me that um, you were talking about building a product and testing it with customers and, and generating revenue before taking it to the VCs to help scale up. So, um, so you know, before we got started, I just wanted to thank you for all, all of your help, support, guidance, mentorship. Um, and congratulations on, on all the success with the program. It's, it's just amazing, um, and it's, it's, it's great to be a part of this community. Um, so thank so you, Vikrant. I, I would absolutely reinforce that point bootstrapping has been the mantra of the program, and where we have raised money for our entrepreneurs, it's always been bootstrap first, raise money later. So it's a absolute like core philosophy of the 1M1M program, and you should never feel pressured to raise money. And I, I'm really against all these incubators and accelerators who are force-feeding capital to people and forcing you to go after financing when you're not ready yet. So absolutely, completely uh, echo Vikram's thoughts there. Go ahead. Great. Next slide, please. So by, by means of introduction, uh, my name is Vikrant Mathur. I'm the co-founder of Future Today. Uh, Future Today is a video distribution platform that enables content creators, both big and small, to distribute, promote, and monetize their content, specifically on connected TV platforms. So platforms such as Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV. We started the company in 2006, and uh, so it's, it's been about 12 years, and just seeing that is making me feel old. But uh, it's been an amazing ride. Uh, we, over the years, have now uh, gone to a point where we're working with 500-plus content partners managing 1,000-plus uh, apps or channels, as they're called, um, across a variety of different devices, across a variety of different content categories. 
we have 50 plus employees now across three locations. And, uh, and, and very similar to this program, actually, the vast majority of, uh, of our workforce works virtually. So um, it's, it's been really, really helpful uh, for us to, to scale up and find the right talent, uh, irrespective of you know, the location that they're in. We're cash flow positive. Uh, we are profitable. We've, I think with the exception of maybe one year, we've always been cash flow positive and profitable. Uh, and that's primarily because we haven't raised any money. Um, so we had to really focus on revenue and, and, and profitability uh, because without that, we couldn't sustain ourselves. Uh, we did try to raise some money uh, early on in 2007, 2008. We came pretty close, but it did not happen. Um, Primarily because the firm that uh, we were talking to, they, they didn't quite um, believe in us. We did not have the experience in the media industry that would give us the credibility to kind of pull it off. And I think it was a blessing in disguise because had it happened, um, we would have been shut down, I think, three times over. So um, so we, we're still bootstrapped. We've, uh, we've funded the company uh, through, through our own um, uh, savings primarily. And um, and you know now don't have to to invest anymore because the, the, the profits that are coming from the, uh, the the company are being reinvested back. Um, this slide I, I I put it together because I wanted to give you a little bit of history and perspective and how we got started and kind of the journey that we've been through. So like I said, we started in 2006 2007. The original idea was to essentially um, put together a video based service for food and cooking related content. Uh, and this is again, you know, back in 2006 when YouTube hadn't been acquired by Google, nobody really knew or understood what video online was going to be. And um, we just felt that more and more media was going to be consumed online or be streamed. And so we thought that it made sense for, um, at least in the food and cooking space, which we kind of stumbled upon, uh, for, for there to be a service where it's six in the evening, you want to make something, if you're anything like me, you have no idea how to make you know, even meatballs and pasta. And so you could either go to Google, search for recipes, or you could come to our service where we could give you personalized uh, content based on your taste preferences, based on your health-based needs, uh, and a variety of other factors that, that we would consider. So that's how we got started. And again, just given how early we were um, in the online video space, uh, we were able to, uh, with not a lot of capital, with not a lot of um, you know, PR and marketing, be able to scale up because people would find us. Uh, and because we were very, very unique in what we were doing, they would come back to the site and, and continue to watch and consume content. So by 2010, we had become one of the top 10 global food websites with over 10 million unique visitors. And again, this is 2010 when 10 million actually was significant. Now, if you you know talk to Facebook and Snapchat and all of these guys, 10 million is a drop in the bucket. Uh, but in the process of growing and scaling iFood, we had put together a technology platform that could ingest any piece of content and put it up on web, mobile, or connected TV devices. So we were able to essentially distribute content um, through uh, through the infrastructure that we had put together on all of these different devices, and then as iOS and Android uh, were kind of gaining scale, we decided to launch on mobile platforms and then eventually also in 2010 launched on connected TV platforms, uh, Roku, Boxy, Yahoo Connected TV, the original Google TV that was there. 
Um, again, in the Connect TV space, we were really, really early to market, um, and nobody quite understood what that space was going to look like, but we just thought that more and more media was going to be consumed um, through streaming on big screen televisions, and so we, we had decided to kind of uh, expand into that space as well. Everything was going great, but then in 2011, Google started to make changes to their algorithm. So one of the problems that we had, um, which we didn't really think back then was a problem, but you know, looking back now, we realized was a, a, a big, big risk was a vast majority of our viewership and traffic was coming through Google search. So it was people going to search, typing in cold pasta chicken salad recipes, and then coming to our site as one of the, the recommendations or one of the search results um, that were provided back to them. And what happened was as Google better integrated YouTube um, and as they always do, they continue to change their algorithms, uh, we started to lose traffic. So as a result of that, over a period of, I would say, six to nine months, we lost about 80 to 90% of our traffic. And, um, and we were struggling. We didn't really know what to do. Um, we didn't know how to react. We were trying to kind of chase the algorithm every time they made a change. And towards the end of it, we realized that it was a pointless exercise because it couldn't be done. So um, we, we looked at where the industry was going. And this is, again, when Netflix was starting to move away from the DVD business into streaming. And we just felt that we had put together a platform and infrastructure that could be used for distribution on connected TVs. We felt that that was going to be the future. And so even though it was still very, very early in the industry and in that space, we decided to, to focus on connected TVs. We decided to abandon the desktop and or at least heavily scale back the desktop and mobile side of our business and just focus on connected TVs and start to build scale there uh, because the engagement that we were seeing on those devices much, much higher than what we were seeing on, on desktop and mobile. So, uh, so as we expanded onto connected TVs, we decided to expand outside of food into other categories because, again, the audience on these devices was so small that we couldn't just sustain ourselves by operating within the food category. And so kids and family was the first vertical that we expanded into uh, after food and then you know, into other lifestyle verticals. And fast forward to today, we have, I think, a thousand channels, like I said, that we're managing in about 10 or 12 different categories. Movies and TV, kids and family and lifestyle are the top three categories. Um, but essentially by making that change and, and kind of, I won't say pivoting, but focusing more on the technology and the distribution side of the business as opposed to the media side of the business has helped us very, very quickly scale um, our viewership and the offering that we have um, to the consumers. Next slide, please. So in terms of lessons learned, um, and I, I think, you know, I've, I've, I just got so excited uh, about the roundtable that I've gone overboard a little bit in terms of the number of slides that I have. So I have about, I think, 10 or 12 slides here. Um, and I'll try to run through them quickly uh, in the interest of time. And happy to uh, connect with uh, anybody that wants to discuss you know, more about any of these points that I'm making. Um, but the first thing that I wanted to kind of highlight was uh, you know, in the valley here, there's a sentiment that any startup that you work on needs to be a billion-dollar idea. 
and uh, and I can kind of understand, you know, the VC perspective as to why they would they would want to invest only in companies that are billion dollar ideas. Um, but what I'm here to tell you is it's, it's okay to have a 10 million, 20 million, 30, 50 million revenue company, um, especially if if you're bootstrapping it for the most part and you're not going to be raising external capital to the tunes of you know tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so it's it's okay to to go after an idea that you really care about, that you're passionate about, even if you think that that's not a billion dollar idea. The only thing that you have to keep in mind is to make sure that you manage your costs accordingly and, and not raise so much money that you raise expectations or dilute too much. Um, the second thing that we found out as we were kind of doing this was ideas are a dime a dozen. Right? Everybody has many, many ideas. So at the end of the day, it's all about execution. Right? Google was not the first search engine. Facebook was not the first social network. But it's all about how you execute on your idea that's really going to define what success looks like for you. Right? Don't worry about people. I, I hear of companies that are in stealth mode for five years, seven years. And, uh, and I just, you know, to me, it's crazy. I, I think uh, you should share your ideas. Um, you should not worry about people copying your ideas. You know, bounce your ideas off of people. Get feedback. Use it to improve the product. Uh, use it for to, to improve on execution. Um, so don't be don't be scared of of sharing ideas. Next slide, please. Um, the third thing is, as a as a bootstrap startup, we had this problem where we couldn't always hire superstars. We we wanted to hire you know a bunch of really really smart developers, as an example, but we didn't have the ability to pay them. And so, um, so, so reach out to your extended friends and family, network, hang out at conferences, meet people that care about the same problem that you're trying to solve, um, and you know, get them to align with you. Uh, there, are, there are many ways in which you can engage people. And so um, don't, don't get frustrated if, if you're a developer and you're trying to find a business person or, or vice versa. Um, just you know, keep trying and, and, and find people that align with you and, and your idea. Um, but don't compromise on choosing a co-founder. And, and I've seen this with some of my friends where they put together a team where uh, the so-called co-founders, they, they didn't quite gel together. And so um, I'm very lucky to have an amazing co-founder. Um, so find somebody that has complementary skills that you really get a Work with them for three, six months, even before you get into anything formal with them, right? Uh, running a startup's like a roller coaster, and, uh, and things are going to get tough. Uh, you have ups and downs. And, 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 and sometimes you need somebody who not only from a technical skills perspective complements you, but also from, you know, maybe an emotional perspective helps you and supports you. And so, um, so, so spend time an effort thinking about who that right partner would be if you don't have one, um, and and don't jump into it. Next slide, please. Um, the other thing which is different today, um, you know, than back then is it doesn't take much to get started. Uh, you have an amazing infrastructure and support system these days involved, including uh, programs like 1M by 1M, where you can get a lot of help, support, guidance. Um, you know, whether it be strategic, whether it be operational, there's, you know, legal services, AWS, ADP, ELANS. I mean, you 
think of a of a need uh, for you as a startup founder, you have somebody servicing that need. Uh, when we started, we started with less than I think five thousand dollars of our own personal investment, and we were streaming videos, which was very very expensive back then. But you know, given how things have changed now, there's so much infrastructure in place. There's uh, there's so much of support in place that if if you are an aspiring uh, entrepreneur and you have an idea or a problem that you're trying to fix, don't be afraid to make that leap. You have a lot of help. Um, but having said that, you have to be you have to be cognizant of how you are executing. And again, here in the valley, sometimes people tell you that revenue is not important. Just grow users, um, and 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 that may be fine in a few select cases. But for the most of us, raising capital, even if you're doing well, takes time and effort, and it's not guaranteed. And so, what we found out was, for us, revenue was the only medicine to our problems. Um, so don't don't lose track of that when you're building a product. Make sure you test it with your customers. Make sure that you know if you're charging them for it, it's a price point that they're willing to pay. That they're actually paying for it. You're generating revenue because if if you're generating revenue, then it, it addresses a whole bunch of of uh, problems or issues that you might you know potentially face, and um, it it can really take you far. Um, but pick your battles, right? Do one thing and do one thing well. When when we focused on cooking um, as, as kind of the first topic or, or area of interest for us. Uh, we picked cooking, but then we, we, we decided to focus on video because that was something that nobody was doing. We were going to be different, and, um, and that's really what we wanted to do. When we moved into connected TV, we gave up on desktop and mobile. We said we're not even going to focus on it, at least for the short term, because we wanted to be the company that's you know, number one in connected TV and, and distribution on those platforms, right? So when you're small, given the resource constraints that you may have, you have to really focus uh, and narrow down what you're doing and not try to be everything to, uh, to everyone. Next slide, please. Um, again, this is from a product perspective, so don't try to be better, be different. Uh, and again, we kind of learned that lesson as we were Going through our journey, where um, we uh, and I, I, you know, I always take the example of this band Kiss. Um, you know, they they're not the best band, uh, but they're different, right? They have makeup. If you go to their concert, I mean, it's a concert like none other. They have makeup, they have pyrotechnics, they have fireworks. It's it, it's a crazy concert to attend in some ways. And so, um, so, so you have to be that. You have to be different. You have to get people to take notice because if they take notice, then they're going to share your product. They're going to go tell people about it. Um, and 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 that kind of takes me into the next slide, which is you know figure out your go-to market before you launch your product. So especially in the consumer space, um, and especially with first-time entrepreneurs who might be engineers by background, I see that a lot where. Um, and and we, we kind of had this approach where we like, yeah, let's just launch it and then we figure out how to market and promote it. Um, your audience uh, development strategy or user acquisition strategy really needs to be baked out before you even start writing the first line of code. Because in most cases, your product needs to incorporate and support those marketing strategies and, and, and uh, techniques that, that you have. Uh, sometimes people think of marketing as, you know, viral marketing. And, 
And I feel there's no such thing as viral marketing. You really have to define your go-to-market before you build your product uh, because your product's an essential part of it. Next slide, please. Um, I haven't raised uh, money, so I can't really speak a lot about it, but again, just based on my experience and um, you know, talking to friends, what I feel is, you know, again, VCs, I think, are, are waiting longer to invest in companies. Um, they want to make sure that they invest in companies that are not just a slide on a PowerPoint, but also you know, have actual products, have actual customers, um, and most importantly, I think, have momentum, right? They talk about uh, investing in teams and investing in companies that have huge you know, market size and whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, um, to them, it's all about momentum. So if you want to raise money, you have to show momentum. And the way to show momentum is by actually having a product and customers in that area. Next slide, please. Um, so again, based on our experience, things will always go bad. Um, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster, but you have to be prepared to to adapt and pivot quickly. Don't you know? And sometimes I feel that where we probably waited for six to nine months to figure out what we wanted to do, uh, we could have potentially done it in maybe three. So um, so don't be scared of adversity. Um, just be be ready to to pivot and and you know. Um, figure out what you have to do next. Um, and most importantly, don't quit, right? Um, if uh, Just keep at it because um, things change. You come up with new ideas. You come up with um, new strategies. And so, um, you know, an essential part of being an entrepreneur is having that persistence and resilience where even when things go wrong, um, you're able to kind of ride that wave and, and, and come out on the other side of it. So, and that, that, like I said, was true for us. Um, and, um, and had we raised venture capital, like I said, we would have been shut down maybe three times over, but, um, but we possessed it. Um, so uh, just the last few slides, my idea of startup when we actually started uh, working on, on our company was, you know, it's sexy, it's glamour, you know, it's, uh, I had just moved to the Bay Area. And so to me, I thought, uh, you know, that's really the world that, that startups live in, but you know, if you ask me today, it's a grind. It's you know, it's it's a lot of work, um, you know, without any guarantees of any sort of returns or recognition. Um, but you do it because you have an idea or you have a problem that you're trying to solve, and you care so passionately and deeply about the problem that you're willing to to go through all you know all of that's involved. So. Um, so for anybody who's you know who's trying to um, to start a company, you know that that'd be my uh, that that's the outlook that I have now. Um, but the one thing that hasn't changed is it's a lot of fun, and um, and and so enjoy it, you know, while you're going through that process. Um, and I guess this is the last slide. So just you know three key takeaways. If you, if you forget everything else that I've said, is first you know you don't have to be a genius to start a company. Um, I think we, we, we all face problems on a day-to-day -day basis. You have to identify a problem that you care really passionately about. You have a solution to fix that problem. Go out and do it, because if you don't, somebody else will, right? Um, the second thing is it's all about execution. So focus, focus, focus. Think about what you're trying to do. Um, think about how you can execute on it, uh, and that's all that matters. You're going to have competition. 
um, there's nothing you can do about it. All you can control is how you execute. And that's really what's going to define the success for you at the end of the day. And then finally, if things go wrong, uh, adapt, pivot, persist. Just don't give up. So, uh, folks, Vikrant has built a company with many millions of dollars of revenue and has always remained profitable. And there's one last thing I want um, you to hear from Vikrant, which is, this company has been built. Future Today, which started life as iFood TV, was built with an advertising business model. However, Vikrant will tell you that he doesn't think that today those of you who are trying to use the advertising business model to start companies, he doesn't encourage you to do that. Vikrant, could you please comment on that uh, conclusion that you've come to and just wrap it up that, with that one nugget? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think the, the ecosystem's changed so much where the, the vast majority of advertising dollars are now controlled by, you know, really two companies, Facebook and Google. And if you have to be an ad-supported company, um, one, the scale that you need to be profitable is humongous. I mean, you know, like I said, tens of millions doesn't even cut it. You have to be the hundreds of millions uh, from a viewership standpoint. So the cost of acquiring all those users is so high that sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Um, the second thing is if you want to support an ad-supported, you want to operate on an ad-supported model, you have to have your own sales team, which is really expensive. And then you have to really compete heads-on with the likes of Google and, and, uh, and Facebook um, trying to convince agencies that they should spend their advertising dollars with you and not with, you know, the likes of Google and Facebook. And so I just, I, I feel that, you know, the, uh, the user base that you need to have and then all the challenges that come along with running and operating your own direct sales team, um, I feel sometimes that it's just not worth it. Um, I think there are other business models that can be explored and, um, I, 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 I echo uh, what Shramna was saying that you really need to think twice before you embark on, on, on a company that's based on a business model that's completely ad-supported. Great. Thank you, Vikrant. We're very proud of you and, and uh, wish you all the best. Thank you. It's um, been great. Thanks for all the help and support.